Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Maybe you're here today, and as you identify your journey, you would say, you know, I'm on fire. That's what we say in Alabama. I'm on fire for God, right? Maybe you're like, man, I have never been closer to God. The beautiful thing is this, no matter how close you are, there's always more. And the truth is this, God always has more for us. We, no matter where we are on our journey, you, you could say, this is the closest I've ever been for him. This is as good as it gets. And I would say, no, it gets even better. But no matter where you are, there's always more. And this one's deep on my heart today. And that is maybe you're here at church this morning, and there was a time you can identify in your past where you were closer to God than you are right now. And I, and I really have been praying for you specifically, if that's you, because I know how discouraging that can be. I've been there before. And maybe you feel because you possibly had been close in the past and you've kind of drifted away that, that God is frustrated with you or angry with you. And as I've already said, he's not mad at you. He is in love with you. And the beautiful thing is no matter where we are, God has more. Can I get an amen this morning? God has more. So let's just lean into this idea. And I was so frustrated in church because I never knew how. And I'm thankful as I open up God's Word, and I'm thankful for environments like this, that it actually is not as difficult as it seems to go on this journey. The Bible actually is very life-giving and practical when it comes to spiritual growth or our journey with God or discipleship or whatever words you might use. The Bible is practical, and I've been praying over these next few moments that all of us would leave here today knowing what it looks like to go into this journey, to go a step further in the journey towards what God has for us. And I'm going to really lean into Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 11 through 16, this is Paul who's writing, and I love Paul's writing because he really does make it so practical for us so that no matter where we are, we can continue on our journey. Verse 11 said now, says this, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. Now we could spend all day on those verses, and we're going to kind of push past them, but they really set up this text. And I just want to say one of the things I love about Queen City, one of the things I love about our church back home is that it's not a church where the person on the platform is like the person doing the ministry. Like they're a part of it, but they're no bigger part than you are. Like our part as a pastor really isn't to do the work of the ministry, it's to equip you because God has something in you that only, that He only gave you. You are unique. Ephesians 2.10 says that you are a masterpiece and that you are prepared in advance to do good things. God has all of us, we are all in the kingdom, equal parts. We are a part of a puzzle that the, the peace that you feel can only be filled by you. And God brings us together to do His work in cities like Cincinnati, and He sees this master plan. And our, the cool thing is our, our journey as a church gets to be a part of us all finding that, that pathway, finding our piece of the puzzle. And we're just going to do our best here to equip you to be the person that God made you to be. Verse 13, so this will continue. So all this equipping will continue until we come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll, we'll be mature. Everybody say mature. Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, and here's the promise, instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body, so Queen City is healthy and growing and full of love. These are powerful verses. And I don't know if you've ever read Ephesians 4. If you haven't, I would encourage you this week, go back and just really read through these verses, verse by verse. And each one is just loaded with the power of God and the promise for God's people that is deep in the heart of our God. 
And I love looking at this text. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I love it because it helps us know what to do. I'm just one of those guys. I hate to be in any environment where I don't know what to do. Anybody else like that? I hate walking in a restaurant for the first time where I don't know where to order. Like, especially if it's got like a counter where you go up and order and I don't really know the menu yet. And I get all this pressure. Panera Bread. I remember the first time I went there. And like, I walk in 10 seconds later, they're like yelling at me, what do you want? I don't know what I want. You have a hundred bagels. I haven't even gotten a chance to look at them all. Can you just give me a minute, right? So I, I hate not knowing what to do. So I love this text. I feel like most of my Christian life was kind of in the dark and I was just reaching out, trying to find my way forward. And this verse just makes it so plain. Uh, one of the times in my life, and parents would really agree with this, that I felt the, the most um, kind of overwhelmed with what to do was when Jill and I got pregnant for the first time. Because there really is no manual that you can get about having kids. I mean, it's just this really weird experience. Like, I'll never forget the time that, you know, we'd been married for a couple years. We had the five-year plan, but God sped that up. And anyway, she, she was not feeling really well. And just kind of as a joke, I was like, well, go get a pregnancy test. And so she went and got a pregnancy test. And she took it, and she came walking out of the bathroom. And I could just see on the look on her face that this was—I this was, was kind of like, this was a joke for me. Now, all of a sudden, it got really serious. And so before she even said anything, I had this realization, we are— pregnant. And she just, she didn't even say it, but she just held the pregnancy test out. And, I, and she holds it in front of me, and there's like a pink line on it. And I'm like, we're pregnant, and it's a girl, because it was pink. That's a true story. And she's like, like, she went from like all this emotion to confusion, like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, because it's pink. And she's like, you're an idiot. And, and so it was like, that was the first moment. And from there, it's like everything, listen, I was in the dark there. It just got worse and worse, right? So she, she, she says, hey, let's go. To the, you know, I, I got to go to the doctor to make sure everything's good and get checked out. And she's like, hey, you want to go with me? And I'm just like, yeah, I'll go. And I have no idea what to expect. Oh, dear Lord, that's the craziest doctor visit I've ever been to. You know, because they, they, they're doing yet whatever with her. And I'm over in the corner like, what do I do? I have no idea right now. This is the most awkward moment of my entire life. But thank God everything's good. The doctor's like, you know, you're, it's, your baby's healthy. And it was Landon, which is really cool because he's sitting in the room here. And he's like, he's, he's healthy. And we're like, praise God. And so what do we do next? And people just tell us, you need, you need to start, like, you know, go, go to Babies R Us and start registering for gifts. We're like, stuff that you're going to need. We're like, what do we need? And they're like, you'll figure it out. Just go. And so they hand you a gun when you go in there. Any parents been there? And for me, it was like the most amazing moment ever. I just started beeping everything. Like, I just loaded our list up with stuff. I had no idea what any of it was. Like, it looks awesome. We're going to get that, right? And so we do that. And then we, on, on the way out of Babies R Us, we pick up a book. We actually saw it in the checkout line, a book for baby names. And I'm thinking, you know, there's like only a few names, no big deal. This was 10,000 names, which that's an overwhelming experience. You are naming your child, and that name is going to stick with them forever. So they're either going to get beat up on the playground or not because of you. It's like if you give them the wrong name, it's like you set them up for failure. Like, there's a lot of pressure. So we go through all those names, and we end up with the name Landon, which means green pastures, which we feel like is just, a, just a, a, the, the weight behind that is peace and wisdom over our firstborn son, which is what we wanted. So that's, that's really great. And then we get close to the, the due date. And this is where it really heats up, because we, we didn't go to the classes. I think you're supposed to go to the classes, but we didn't go. We're not those kind of people, so we didn't go to the classes. We live by faith, right, not by sight. And so, um, so, so we get close. She's having these contractions off and on, and, we, you know, we're Googling it. Like, what do we do? And they're like, time them. So, okay, we'll time them. So a couple of days of that kind of flow. And, and one night we'd actually heard that spicy food helps, you know, speed up the process. And so we went and ate some Mexican food, praise God for queso. And so we come home, and we're there, and she's having those contractions, and it's late. And, and she's like, hey, I don't feel really great. I'm going to go take a bath. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to lay in bed. I'm going to pray for you. 
just everything will be great. Like two minutes later, I'm asleep. So the next thing I know is she's coming out and she says to me, this is like one o'clock in the morning. She goes, I think my water just broke. And I'm like, how would you know you were in the bath? <laughs> anyway, anyway, so anyway, she's like, no, I could tell like it's time. And so it's really, that's kind of funny, right? Anyway, so, so like it's time to go. So I'm, I'm now going from like dead asleep to my wife's water's broken. We're going to the hospital and I step into the greatest moment of my life to this point. And that is middle of the night, driving my wife to the hospital. I'm going like 120 miles an hour, flashers on, going to get her to the hospital, right? So we like whip in, get her out, and it's like nine hours later we have the baby. But anyway, so we, we get in there, and we're going through that whole process, and it's just happening so fast. And I'm like, where's the doctor? Does he, is he ever going to come in the room? Because it's just nurses there. And they're like, yeah, he'll come in at the last moment, literally the last moment. He like comes running in the room, and Landon is born, and I hear him cry, and then he just holds him up, and he says, do you want to cut the cord? And I'm like, no, I don't want to cut the cord. That's what I'm paying you for. And it's a, it's a boy. I don't want to cut the wrong thing. And it's just like all this pressure. I'm a pastor. And so, you know, we cut the cord. And, and you, you parents know what it's like, right? They, they take the baby. And like the first two days, you're like, this is no big deal at all. We're at the hospital. Everything's taken care of. But then a point comes where they hand you that baby back. And they're like, you're going home today. And we're like, what? And, like you're, and they put you in the car, and they like strap you in, and they just wave at you, and they know you're going home with no idea what you're going to do, right? We get home, we sit at each other, and we're like, what do we do now? And we're like, we don't know what we're going to do. Like, we just are in this brand new moment. I think a lot of Christians live in that we don't know what to do moment. We're just every season, every moment, this overwhelming experience. But can I tell you something now, four kids later, like the, when we had our last son a few years ago, it was like no big deal at all. A completely different experience. We knew what to do. Like, we, we didn't rush to the hospital. We, we had everything timed out. We knew exactly what was going on. Completely different experience. And I'm telling you, God wants you to have that same kind of confidence in your walk with Him. Too many of us are living in that unknown. We're living in that, in that zone where we're just overwhelmed, and we just feel like we're in that dark room searching for what God might have for us. And it's never intended to be that way. It's what's so great about this church. I'm telling you, it's what's so great about God's Word is He wants to take us on this journey. And if we'll just engage in that, it will change our lives forever. So I love kind of leaning into this text that Paul teaches us practically what to do. Ephesians 4.13, just kind of start with this verse as we unpack these, these next few verses. I believe with all of my heart they're going to be so um, important for each of us today in our own journey. He says this, and this, and he's referencing that equipping we talked about earlier. We'll continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, this is a, a weighty verse, and for some of you, you're like, man, that's exactly why I feel guilty. It's like words like mature and complete that kind of overwhelm me, and it's because it's a really tough English translation from the original language. And I think by going back to the original language, we can see this verse in a completely new light and, and realize how life-giving it is. Like that phrase, full and complete standard of Christ, in the Greek, which is the, the language the Bible was originally, New Testament was written in, is actually one word, and the word is pleirema, which is, which is a, basically a phrase that means that which has been filled. And this would be kind of a word picture for the Greeks. Like when they wrote this word pleirema, what they would see in their mind is a ship. So I want you to imagine a ship, whatever kind of ship you would imagine, a cargo ship possibly, that's at dock and it's being loaded. Check this out, piece by piece. You know, when they load a ship, they don't just dump it all in it. That's what I felt as a, as a, as a you know, a young man attending church. I felt like that I was supposed to go from zero to 100. And if anything less than that, God was not pleased with me. I wasn't living up to expectations. I had this weight on me. And that's why I was always limited in my journey with God, because I felt like, how can I go from here to there? But it's a completely different picture in the text. God never intended you to feel that way. He has a picture in mind for your life. And it's not everything at one time. It's simply this, piece by piece by piece. Because the beautiful thing is this, a ship isn't loaded for no reason. A ship is loaded specifically to go on the journey it's made to go on. 
So God's promised you to this. This is not a weight on us. It's actually God's promise to us. We think it's a weight that we have to achieve. No, no. God is saying, I will fill you piece by piece with everything you need to live your life for me. I will give you every piece you need, step by step, to live the life I've called you to live. The key to reaching the full and complete standard of Christ isn't all at one time. It's step by step. So write this down. That's our part of a spiritual journey. It's taking next steps. Taking next steps is our part. It takes the pressure off. takes the guilt off. It's just one piece at a time that God wants to put into our life so that we have everything we need for our journey with Him. We do not have to have it all together today. Come on, take the weight off. Everybody breathe. And that's the, that's the spirit. If you walked in this place and you're like, something's different about Queen City, that's because we have that kind of life-giving spirit. That's what God has done in us. That's what God is still doing in us. And we believe with all of our heart that's what He wants to do in you. It's just peace by peace by peace. And I love that the goal isn't just this random goal. The, the Bible uses the word mature. And again, an, another way for us to look at it would be in the original language, and that's the word teleos, which interestingly, it means finished and complete. Interestingly, it's the same word that Jesus used on the cross. So when Jesus was on the cross, ultimately living His fulfillment, that was His mission, His calling, that was God's plan for His life was to go to that cross. He had now a rearview picture of His life, and He was able to look back and say, it is teleos, it is finished and complete. It didn't happen all at one time, even for Jesus. Thirty-three years of step by step by step ultimately led Him to the place God had for Him. And I believe with all of my heart for each of us, that's a goal for us, that we're going to end up on our deathbed 150 years from now when we're all dying, right? We're going to, whenever that might be, I hope it's a long time away, but the goal is that we would just end up there, not tomorrow, not next week, but we would end up there being able to look back in the same way Jesus did and say, Teleos, it is finished and complete. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen all at once, but God was faithful to take me on the journey. And it was simply this, step by step, our part is taking not every step, it's just the next step. If I take the next step, I will end up being able to say the same thing Jesus did, and I will reach maturity in my journey with Him. So we've set up our entire church here to help facilitate this. You've heard all about how we celebrate God and worship God on Sunday mornings, and you're going to hear a lot more in the future in 2019 about small groups, how we connect relationally. And I know there's already dinner parties happening and communities happening. That's a huge part. Maybe for some of you have been isolated. That'll be a big next step is jumping in community. I love that we have the growth track here, and today is part one of the growth track, step one of the growth track, where you can really get planted in this house. And we celebrate that every week. We announce that every week because it's a great next step to go from attending to being a part of a community, getting plugged in. And so if you haven't checked that out right after service, uh, you can do that. Maybe your next step is to connect with God today. We're going to pray today. For those who are far from God, you can take your next step. In fact, without that next step, you really can't go any further. And no matter where you are, there's always a next step. So here's a question. Again, I love questions that will maybe help you frame your journey with God. And that is, are you, first of all, in the process of taking next steps? If you're not, let's just make that commitment today. And then secondly, what is one area of your life that you know God has challenged you to grow in? Don't, don't, don't be overwhelmed with all of it. Come on, let's narrow it down today, and we're going to pray about this a little bit later as well. Come on, what's the one next step? Maybe it's a legacy offering. Maybe it's a serve project. What, what's the one next step that God is challenging you in? And let's take all that other stuff and push it to the side for now, and let's just take our next step. Here, here's the second thing. Write this down. And that is standing still is our peril. So taking next steps is our part. Standing still is dangerous. It's our peril. Verse 14 says, Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. When we're not growing, we're not maturing, and that's a dangerous place to be. 
And I think honestly, in my life, I saw this. That was the enemy's plan for my life. It wasn't for me to take next steps with God. It was for me to be so afraid of that journey that I stood exactly where I was. And when I was standing still, I was just a victim to all the blowing around, tossing of life, all the situations that would come, circumstances. I just felt like a ship in a storm being blown and tossed about because I didn't have the momentum. I wasn't heading in a direction. So because of that, everything could knock me off course. And for a lot of us, I think that could be maybe why we've ended up where we've ended up. It's not because we're bad people or because we've really messed up. It's honestly because we've just forgotten that there is more for us, that there is a next step. And when we are in this journey, it's actually a protection. It's a way that God protects us from all the issues of life by keeping us focused on something that's bigger than those issues. And that's so he can pull us through those seasons by the power of his Holy Spirit. So we've got to be sure today that we're not standing still, because if we're standing still, really two things I've seen in my life that will be happening. Number one, this one's hard to talk about, but it's true, is where we're standing still is where we'll find sin. It'll be those areas in our life that we just feel like we cannot overcome. And, and for, if, you, if you don't have that relationship with God, that's going to be a whole lot of things. But the truth is, as Christians, come on, everybody, we don't have it all together. That'd be the number one thing I would want anyone who's visiting with us. Don't ever think that we have it all together, because I know I don't have it all together. And there are still areas in my life where I'm struggling, but I know this, every time I've looked at one of those areas, it's an area where I'm standing still and not growing. And in fact, it helps me pinpoint the next step I have usually is an area where I'm struggling. If it's an area that I'm struggling in, it's usually an area that God wants to grow me in. So if we're standing still, we just, just like that verse says, we can get tossed and blown about. Here's the second thing, if we're standing still, we will always limit our potential. Man, I want you to hear this from the bottom of my heart today. If I was sitting from Birmingham for one thing, it was to tell you that you have a hope and a future in God, that He has great plans for you, that there is, no matter where you have been, there is something great that He has called you to. You have great potential in Him, but if we're standing still, we will never get there. I love how Paul relates it to immaturity, because you can't live your entire life being a child, right? Like a childhood stage is a season you have to grow out of. And that's what Paul is saying. If we don't grow out of our child, uh, childlikeness as a, as a Christian, we'll never reach our full potential. He relates to being, to being like a child. And I think it's, it's, it's so cool because, you know, nothing could be more easy or comfortable than being a child, right? I was thinking about my kids. They, they're, they're always watching cartoons, right? They're playing Fortnite 18 hours a day, or that's what they wish they were doing, right? They're, like, it's so easy to be a child. So it's so easy to get stuck there. It's so easy to get stuck kind of in our childlikeness as a follower of Christ. You know, kids play all day long. They do whatever they want to do, especially during the summer. The cool thing about kids, though, is they have big dreams, right? Have you ever asked a kid what they want to do when they grow up? It's never something boring. They're, not, they're never like, I want to work at a desk job. You know, it's like they want to be a Jedi, or, which isn't even a real thing, I found out. It's not even a real thing. But like, or they want to be a fireman, right? Or they want to be a police officer. Or they want to be a Cincinnati Bengal football player. Or I thought that would get a little more than that. <laughs> okay. Um, they, like you, a Barbie doll. I don't know, girl. I'm not a girl. I don't know what you want to be. So I don't, uh, whatever it is. It's, it's never small, right? It's always big, right? Let me ask you a question. Is it reasonable for a kid to be those things right then in their life? No. Like, what if you're driving home today and Jordan, Pastor Brian and Heather's son, pulls you over and he, like, comes walking up, like, in a police uniform, right? He's like, he's like, you were going to, you're going to laugh your head off, right? Or, like, if you get your appendix removed tomorrow, I hope that doesn't happen. But if it does, you know, and my son Landon walks in, he's like, hey, it's glad to have you here. I'm, I'm going to remove your appendix. And you're like, how old are you? He's like, I'm 10 years old, but I, I watch, you know, Doc McStuffins. I'm pretty good. I feel like I got it going on. We're going to be okay. Like, right? You would be like, I'm out of here, right? Right? Am I right? So is it reasonable for them to be those things? No, but do they have the potential? Yes. The same is true for the body of Christ. You have the potential to be anything, but if we don't grow out of our immaturity, we'll never reach that potential. 
You have the potential to do anything in the body of Christ right where you are with your past. Whatever's led you to this point, the future is in God's hands, and it's as big as we'll allow Him to make it. That's the truth of God. As keys come up, we get ready to close. Just a couple more questions on this point. I believe that a lot of us here are ready to grow. I know I'm ready to grow, and this is a great season to reflect as we head into a new year. Maybe um, for you, here's a great question. What priorities need to change? If I'm standing still, what have, I, what have I prioritized over God? I oftentimes find it's my schedule. A lot of times it's just I'm not investing time in my relationship with God. Maybe it's a distraction. And what it, Here's another question. What excuses just need to go? And what priorities need to change? And what excuses need to go? Because God has so much for me, and He doesn't want us stuck in our sin and our mistakes. He doesn't want us like a frog in a bowling pot. Just, we don't even realize it sometimes. We just get stuck in stuff. How do we end up here? It's because we're standing still. And God sees our potential, and He wants us to get there. And he, I think that would be the worst thing for God to look down at us and see all the great plans He has for us and for us not to reach it. And Him just saying, all you got to do is take next steps. And here's the last point that I want to kind of lead into and then pray out of. Ephesians 4.15 says, instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Everybody say, like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. Write this down, and this is so important for us to lean into. Becoming like Jesus is our promise. Now, taking next steps, that's our part, and standing still would be our peril, to our peril. But becoming like Jesus is our promise. And I say this at the end. I'm so thankful that, that Paul lands it here, that it's really all about becoming like Christ because it can be so easy to think it's all about other things. I think one of the most dangerous things, and it's just the way we're wired, I think, as Americans and as humans, is that we can go on a spiritual journey and we can end up thinking it's about the steps themselves. And they are important, but it's not about what we're doing. It's about who we're becoming. That ultimately, the plan God has for us is to become more and more like Him. Maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe you have. But even the name Christian means little Christ. Like the whole goal of this thing isn't to be a better us. It's to look more like Him. Because it's, we were made in His image. You were made in the image of God. And the more we connect with that image, the more we connect with Him, the better life we're going to live. Not because things are always going to work out, but because we're going to have His peace and His power and His grace and His promise. And we're going to know at the beginning of every day and the end of every day, we are a child of God and no weapon formed against us can prosper, that we do have hope in a future. And the end is never the end, that God has great plans for us. There is no weapon formed against us that can prosper. You are more than a conqueror. And the more we become like Christ, the more of that confidence we'll get. Like at the end of the day, as great as our potential is and as great as spiritual growth is and every step of the way, it's just equipping us. And we'll get all that confidence. As great as all that is, it, it doesn't even compare to the greatness of knowing I am a child of God and connecting with who Jesus is. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, the greatest thing I've discovered about my faith in God is that it is always further up and further in. He relates it to an onion peel in reverse. It just Instead of getting smaller, it gets bigger and better every step of the way, becoming more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. It's an amazing promise for us. And I've seen this lived out in so many lives. I close with a story just to encourage you because this is one of those stories that can encourage all of us because it's kind of one of those stories that starts from the very bottom and has a redemption story throughout it that really is connected to this teaching today. It didn't happen overnight. It was step by step. And I have a crew here from Birmingham, and they know the story. And there's a lot of Highlands College graduates actually in this room today. And many of them would know a guy named Mayo who serves at our church now. But Mayo, um, from the outside today, looks like kind of the poster child of a, a Christian pastor and leader. But his story started at a very dark place. In fact, he grew up in a broken home, an abusive home, verbally abusive. And he was around a, a, a substance abuse from day one. His father was an alcoholic. 
And for him, the, the, really the only thing he had going for him in his life was athletics, incredible athlete. And that was the thing he began to find his identity in. Maybe you're there today. Maybe you found your identity in something other than God. And it feels good for a while, but it will fail you in the end. It's easy to latch on to something like our talent, or our ability, or our relationships. And it does. It'll get us through some seasons, but some point in the future, it will fail us. And that's what happened to Mayo. He ended up going through high school, playing football. He was a great athlete. Got recruited um, to, to LSU and got recruited to a couple other schools. Ended up going to Auburn University, which is a school there in Alabama, and playing football. Did incredibly well. It was in the early 2000s. And Auburn had a great run, had an undefeated season. And he ends up going into the draft and, and getting drafted uh, by the Buffalo Bills him and some other guys in his class kind of always had this trajectory and he put his hope in his future as an athlete but just a few months into that journey of athletics he ended up getting injured and that career was instantly over so now his identity is spiraling he has his identity the thing that he had found his identity in is now gone the thing that got him out of his broken home and those moments was gone and so in that moment all that brokenness that was actually kind of just knocking at the door came streaming back in so he began to live pretty much the exact life that he had hated most of all, and that is abusing substance and being around terrible environments. And in fact, he goes from using to selling drugs and just really to keep up. He's like, I had a bunch of friends who had made it in the league. They all had a bunch of money and I didn't. So I just wanted to keep up with them, keeping a good external appearance but on the inside. He was dying. Goes out to the Super Bowl in like 2003, 2004, and ends up at a party. At that party, the FBI was there undercover looking at another guy, but they end up finding out about him. And he goes from a Super Bowl party to prison, not just prison for a day, five years in federal prison. At his lowest of lows, he said he remembers the night they closed the prison door and, he had, and they slid a note underneath it that said, the United States versus Mayo Sowell. He said, at that moment, the weight of the world was on me. The entire country was against me. And he was angry and frustrated and felt like he had no hope. And he said, I, at that point, I just decided I'm going to spend my time in prison to be a better criminal. How many of you guys know God had a better plan than that? And through the next months and years, he began to, he struggled for a while, began to meet a few people on his journey. One guy especially who he just met in a barbershop in prison who literally stepped up to him face to face and said, God has a plan for your life. And that was his first step in the journey. He went back to his prison cell, prayed to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Opened up God's word and just began to day after day reading God's word and growing and repenting and getting set free of substance abuse, which had carried all the way into prison. He was doing the same things in prison he was doing out of prison. And piece by piece, God set him free. The same can be true for you no matter where you are. There's just one more step in front of you. And that's what Mayo did. Step by step, he was set free. Really cool. He gets out of prison and he ends up, he has a girlfriend from before. She ends up getting saved. They end up, they're dating. They're getting ready to get married. But he has an ankle bracelet on because that's what happens when you get out of federal prison. So he's trying to find a church, but he can't go more than three-mile radius. Well, guess what? There's one church in three-mile radius. It's our church, Church of the Highlands. And he steps into church, and he hears Pastor Chris, our pastor, share a message. He talks about next steps, and he realizes this next step is to, guess what, go through the growth track, which is your next step, possibly, if you haven't been. And he goes to step one, step two, and step three, and he gets connected to a team. And the next step for him was to join a community, a small group, but he couldn't go outside of three miles. So our church put a small group in his house because he couldn't go to a small group because there wasn't one. So we put one in his house because that's, that's exactly the same spirit we have here at Queen City. No matter what's going on, we're going to come after you. You don't have to come to us. We're going to come to you. And listen to this. It's a freedom group and God restores him. His parents, interestingly, had already, they had been divorced for years, but because of finances, they were living in the same house, but on separate sides. So his mom comes in and she just, she had been a believer and had been so discouraged. And that small group just reached her. 
And his dad, who's still an alcoholic, hears the small group from the other room. And he's like, every week he gets closer and closer. Before you know it, in that first semester, he's sitting in the room with the group, gives his heart to God, gets set free of a lifetime of alcoholism. And then it's just amazing. Next step after next step. It's going to be the same for you. It can't happen from jail cell all the way to the end in one moment. But step by step, God can pull you out of any hole, any circumstance, any place. The end is never the end. Mayo got through that season. We actually hired him to be part of our team. And when we first hired him, he, I mean, he was only like a year out of prison. And he was just still dealing with a lot of the aftermath of this. Like, he's like, I can't even leave the state of Alabama, you know, all this stuff. And he's on our church staff because we believe in people, right? Because God had a call on his life. And he goes through our Highlands College program and he joins our team and, and becomes, a, he joins our team and later on becomes a pastor. Check this out. About a year and a half later, he's on our team. We don't really know why. We just know we love him and he's leading well. We don't ultimately know the purpose of God until our pastor is flying on a plane and sees that Birmingham, Alabama is one of the most crime-ridden cities in America. It's in the top 10 per capita of crime in America. And our pastor, just like your pastor, Brian, just wait. Pastor Brian's a little crazy. You may not have seen him. I know he looks calm on the outside, but he's got faith like a lion, all right? So just wait for these moments. My pastor's the same way. And he's like, this is not going to happen on our watch. Like, we're not going to have a great church in a city that is broken. So we, just, we go ask the mayor, where, can, you know, where, where are the worst areas of our city? And he tells us a few. And we're like, all we know is this, the local church is the hope of the world. So we're going to put a local church there. But we're like, how do we reach that area? We have no idea. What, we've never reached an area like this. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, guess what? The guy who's called to reach it is on your team. And by the way, he lived in that city at one point in his life. And he's the one who's equipped with the story and the faith to reach a city that no one else knows how to reach in our city. And it all came together in 10 weeks ago, the same day you launched Queen City, we launched the West Birmingham campus and we've already seen over 200 people saved and healed. And it's the power of God. And I don't know where you are, but we're not currently in prison at least, all right? But even if we were, there's no point too low for God to pull us out of. Hey, everybody, look at me. It's just about next steps. That's God's plan for you. Just take that next step and allow God to do something great in your life. Can I pray for you this morning as we close today? God, thank you so much for every person in this room. God, thank you for their journey, wherever they have been. God, I thank you for where they are right now. God, you are madly in love with them. And God, thank you that you love us enough not to leave us where we are, but to take us into our future. God, I thank you for Queen City Church that came into the city at the right time, along with other great churches, to be the answer to the call of the Great Commission, just to reach the world with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that in these last 10 weeks, miracles have already happened. And somewhere along the way, every person in this room has found their way to this place, which tells us, God, you have us all here for a reason. God, there's a couple things I want to pray for today. And if you're here today, I want you just to lean into these couple moments here before we get finished to close. First one is really the most important one. And that is for anyone who's here today that you know that you can't go a step further until you connect relationally with God. You know you can't take your next step until you meet the God of the universe who loves you so much. Maybe you've been connected to God in the past. Maybe you had that relationship and you've walked away. Or maybe you have never really been connected to God, but today is your day. We've been praying for you. The team's been praying for you. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. No one's looking around. But that's you here today. And you're like, Pastor, I know my next step. I know there's other stuff to come, but my next step is getting saved today, connecting with God relationally. If that's you, I want you to just be bold on the count of three and slip your hand up. One, two, three. Come on, put your hands up. Awesome. Awesome. Amen. Powerful. All across the room. Great job, guys. I'm so proud of you. All right, come on, put your hands down. Just pray this prayer with me. If you didn't raise your hand, but you know that's you, say, God, today I give you my life. 
forgive me of my sins, my mistakes. God, I turn away from all that and I'm running to you. Be my Lord, my Savior. Don't just say this, say, God, I give you my life, holding nothing back. God, I thank you that you're filling me with your Holy Spirit and your power. God, I'm going to live the rest of my life. Don't say these words and mean them. I'm going to live the rest of my life for you. God, I thank you for every person who just prayed that prayer, for the work you're doing in them. Your word says the old is gone and the new has come. They are a new creation in you. God, I thank you for them. Last prayer I'm going to pray. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Brian. It's for anyone in the room today. As I asked kind of in in each point, but especially in that first point, you're just, you're ready for a next step. You, You haven't known what it is and I'm not 100% sure the answer will come right in this moment, but I know the most important thing we can do today as a body is to ask God to show us. And He will be faithful to do that in this moment or in the days and weeks to come. He'll show us that next step. So if you're up for that journey, if you're ready to take your next step spiritually, just open your hands there in your lap. God, I thank you for every person who is here, who just today we've locked into your word and we realize it's not this dark room we have to search around in. It's not a bunch of weight that we have to feel guilty about. No, it's just a next step. You want to fill us up with everything we need for our journey. So God, I pray for everyone here today who's ready for that next step. God, I know many are asking, some of them already know, but many are asking, what is it? So God, I pray you would show us growth track or groups or leadership or serving, or maybe it's just going and restoring a relationship back home or in a family over Thanksgiving, whatever it might be, God, show us our next step. Here's what we say to you. Come on, pray this prayer to God. God, we just commit to taking it in faith, God, taking that next step, and we trust that you will be faithful. God, thank you for what you've done here today. We give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com. 